Welcome to Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I am Sarah R. And I'm Sarah B. And we are here to create a podcast. Yes. Uh, We have been friends for a long time now Mm -hmm. and both have very similar priorities Mm -hmm. and outlook on Mm -hmm. what it means to be a scientist. And we just wanted to give advice to our younger selves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thinking about who the audience would be for this podcast. I was reflecting on how much I would have liked for there to be something like this when I was younger. It's basically just what I would have wanted my younger self to know, because I think we were both um, laboring under a lot of delusions about what it means to be a good scientist. And it's really only the process of kind of navigating graduate school and the early years of my postdoc that those opinions have really been reshaped not only by meeting with success doing the things I know keep me well, but also seeing around me how much folks suffer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm tired of bearing witness to that. Needless suffering. And, yeah. and, and also seeing like-minded people as well. You know, yes. there are people in the community who are very supportive of self-care, mm-hmm. but there still is a perception that a true quote-unquote true scientist is someone who is so passionate about their science that they're willing to dedicate and sacrifice everything for that science. And even, you know, going back to the infamous letter of, well, if you're not just naturally wanting to work a hundred hours a week, then maybe you should consider your your priorities. Or once, you know, I got a comment that like, if you only had three years left to live, what would you do? And, and when I mentioned, dare I say family and other considerations, <laughs> the response was, well, you know, I would dedicate everything to science. And, and my initial response mm. was really, you know, you'd write what, four more papers. That's, yeah. that's just, but that is the perception and that, that we, in order to be successful, need to sacrifice everything. And I just really don't think that's true. I think research um, yes. in the social sciences has borne out that that's not true. Yeah. And this is why we are here. Yeah you know, to tell everyone out there, it is not true. It is not true. <laughs> so we'll be visiting different topics um, related to self-care. We should say we're both astrophysicists. Mm-hmm. So that's our flavor of science. And we actually met in graduate school. Do you want to tell that story? Sure, Sarah? sure. So I'm a year later than Sarah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was visiting uh, Harvard and I really felt out of place a bit. Uh, I went to University of Calgary. It's not a well-known school. And before that, I had gone to community college uh, in Montana. And so when I was at my visit, um, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome. I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember meeting Sarah, and, and Sarah's someone that stuck with me in my brain when I was making my decision. And and she, she you know, stuck out to me for many reasons, in part because of her gorgeous flaming red hair. <laughs> You flatter her. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, just genuine personality that really came across and that she's such a caring and sensitive soul. And I was like, I would like to be friends with that person. And so I kind of sneakily decided, <laughs> how can I become friends with <laughs> this person? And so, you know, when I came, I knew I would at least have a few options for strong female colleagues and friendships. And as well, just in the end, you know, coming there, it, it just seemed that there were, was a great community of grad students in my year, especially, and that was really helpful. Yeah, you guys had a really good year. Yeah. Um, I mean, a good cohort, I should say. Yeah, what I remember from meeting you, Sarah, is that I really hoped that you came. <laughs> like, when, whenever you have kind of a cohort of perspectives visiting, you know, you always want to sell 
the place, but I remember really resonating with you. In particular, I remember we took some of the perspectives near the CFA, so we were both graduate students at the Center for Astrophysics at Harvard, and we went to, I think it was like an Italian restaurant, and you were telling a story about this hike you went on in Hawaii. Okay, so an REU experience that you had, you were telling this like death-defying tale of how like you um, had to like skirt along the edge of some cliff to like go to some place and and the story just combined a lot of qualities that I later would realize were very representative of you. First of all, you were there in Hawaii to do the RU program because of your interest and passion for astronomy, and then there was also a real like streak of bravery there, a spirit of adventure. I remember thinking too, I do the same thing where I'm I'm like a hawk with women friends. I'm just, how do I start circling the prey? (laughs) How do I get her to be my friend? I'm very strategic. I'm very strategic. Um, Sounds creepy that way, but it did. And maybe it is creepy. And maybe it is. creepy. I'm glad you you circled the prey. (laughs) I do, and I've done that more than once. Um, So I'll kind of just say, like, can we be friends? Or. And that's like a very powerful connection to have with other women, in this case, with another woman scientist. Um, But another thing that really brought us closer together was that we navigated challenges in graduate school together. Um, And yeah, yeah, and we kind of maybe started to prioritize self-care in a way we hadn't before. Definitely. And I, you know, when I think back to, you know, the very first, actually, the very first year I was there, um, I was so miserable. I really felt out of place. Um, everyone around me had gone to very prestigious undergrads. Not everyone, but this is my perception. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I just felt like I didn't belong and I felt I hadn't taken astronomy as an undergrad actually. I'd only taken physics and so just basic things mm-hmm. were you know, the vocabulary, just, mm-hmm. I couldn't even understand conversations just from not having the jargon. And I, specifically, I remember not knowing what HST was. Everyone's like, HST, HST, oh HST. Gosh, and I was like, yeah. oh, when I figured out Hubble Space Telescope, ah, yeah. I know that thing. But yeah. I, you know, just didn't know the acronym or or things like YSO or, mm-hmm. you know, hydrostatic equilibrium you don't cover in physics. It's really yes. only in astronomy. And, and so these, and I remember in the very first lecture, um, you know, one of the professors said, oh, we're just going to skip hydrostatic equilibrium because you already know that. And I was like, I, I, I don't know it. <laughs> and I felt so out of place. And so I had all these imposter syndrome thoughts and I didn't know how, what to call them. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, <laughs> you told me over and over again, you were like, Sarah, you have the imposter syndrome. And, <laughs> and I just thought you were making shit up. I'm not going to lie. And, and why would, why would I be making it up in this hypothetical world just to make you feel better? No, yeah, I thought you were just trying to make me feel better, and I thought you oh just had this, like, you know, this little theory or whatever that you, <laughs> that you had. I really didn't think it was a real thing. And so, and then I was uh, t- uh, uh, G-chatting with someone from undergrad, and, you know, I was telling him my, my woes, and I said, yeah, my friend Sarah says I have the imposter syndrome, whatever that is. And... <laughs> typed back he's like you know that's a real thing right he must have heard my, my skepticism <laughs> yeah 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 Coming and, through. and then I googled it for the first time this was like six months of Sarah telling me I had the imposter syndrome <laughs> so make sure if you ever introduce the imposter syndrome that they know it's a real thing so yes. like, I really uh, thought drive that up. point home yeah. <laughs> so right. I, I googled it I'm like oh this is actually a thing that's studied and then there's books about yeah. and, and and then I remember I read it I read like about Valerie Young and some of the work she's done and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, 
I definitely, yeah, but <laughs> I actually am dumb. And so I went through all the reasons of how I can see how this is a thing, yes. but it doesn't apply to me because. And, and so, because you're a real imposter. Because I'm a like, real you don't imposter. Have the syndrome. Right, yeah, I don't right. have the syndrome. I'm actually a Dunning-Kruger, you know. <laughs> so, so I, you should explain what that is. Dun- yeah, yeah, Dunning-Kruger yeah, yeah, yeah. effect is the opposite of the imposter syndrome. <laughs> Read the Wikipedia article. It's hilarious. <laughs> but ultimately, it, it boils down to people who... Um, they actually don't know what they don't know, and so mm-hmm. they end up thinking they actually know more than they do. Well, delusions of grandeur. Del- yes, mm-hmm. and and so I started writing Valerie Young an email saying, um, mm-hmm. you know, well, I can see how this all makes sense, but I pretty am sure that I actually. And then I about <laughs> then in the sentence, I was like, this is dumb. She's never going to believe me. <laughs> you know? Being a graduate student at Harvard and and what yeah, right. I was like, this I know. Is, yeah, what I feel it, but yeah. you know. And that was really something that I remember from our first uh, yeah, eight months of grad school together. I remember one of my favorite memories uh, of that period of time to relive is that you're just like an imposter syndrome acrobat in a way that <laughs> I can try to approach, but like truly you're the master um, where you were like, but it, I don't have the imposter syndrome because like I have it all the time. That was, that was something you said. Like it wasn't, I didn't have like one imposter thought and I was like, that's why it's a syndrome and not an air quote thing you thought one time. <laughs> I remember That's that. why it's called I remember a that conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like you've been truly I mean Valerie Young says it too in her talks. Imposters are actually really impressive. Right. Imposters, quote unquote. People who have the imposter syndrome are so creative with their like truly bizarre <laughs> rationalization. Anything that ever positive happened in their academic careers. I know it's true. So yeah, so we'll dedicate a later episode yeah, to just like d- imposter, just imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. But we want to do this just to talk about lots of things, imposter syndrome being one, but also yeah, self-care. How do you get through grad school, surviving mm-hmm. grad school? How do you survive postdocs? How do you survive, yeah. you know, maybe faculty tours and all these mm-hmm. stuff. As we go through these different stages in our careers, we want to touch on not just how to survive, but really how to thrive. Yeah, and right. The, you know, I, I kind of developed this motto at the end of grad school that I didn't just want to graduate and kind of shuffle across the finish line in a mad period of stress and low sleep and mm-hmm. um, anxiety, I really wanted to, um, quote, graduate sustainably. Yeah. I wanted to go through the end without ever reaching a max and taking care of myself the whole way. And I really think I did it. And I never got stressed at the end of, you know, as I was leading up to my defense. And in the end, it all went very well. And so these are some of the things we want to talk about is how to... How, what are things we found helpful for yeah. self-care? What would we have wanted to know then? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had, I got to kind of relive that IRL with several young women at this point where their perspectives visiting Harvard and they're trying to decide whether mm-hmm. they should go there. So the position that I was in in 2007 and you were in mm-hmm. in 2008, um, they'll often say like, would you have done it again? Yeah. There were some dark times. Mm-hmm. We both experienced our own unique version of darkness those times were very, very hard. And it wasn't, so that stuff isn't just associated with graduate school. It's about navigating your twenties. Some of it's about just living a meaningful life, but would I have done it again? I had to think very carefully because I do associate graduate school with some, with some memories that it's very painful to relive them. So when I thought about it, my answer was actually yes because that PhD really was kind of a golden ticket to go Mm -hmm. on to the next thing. And I do feel now that it was worth it, but I would have done it again 
hitting the ground running with all of the things I only learned later, yeah. Harvard Mental Health Services in week one. Mm -hmm. I would have joined the Harvard Graduate Women in Science and Engineering week one. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have joined the mentoring program. I would have started exercising, like doing yoga like I did, all of the things that I learned finding a mentor. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff was kind of scattered through my graduate experience. And it almost came about just because I was so miserable that I had to take action. Yeah. You know. And that's what we tend to do with self-care is we don't learn the the skills typically until moments of crisis. Yeah, crisis and, and that's, moments. That's yeah. unfortunate because those are that's when it's hardest to actually add something on, and mm. it and it tends to be you know in our human natures the trigger though. And I remember also one thing that you had you had benefited from therapy, and you had told mm. me multiple times you're like Sarah, you should you should <laughs> go to therapy, you should try this, you know, it would be good. And, <laughs> You told me it's like 14 times. It was like you have to see the poster 14 times, you know, before you recognize it the first time. It was kind of the same thing with me for therapy. I don't know how many times you told me before I actually made the appointment, Ugh. but it was too long. Like you said, if I could just dial that clock back, you yeah. know, I would have just listened to you the very first time you mentioned it. Yeah. I would have made an appointment <laughs> and, and gone, but I didn't. And then similarly, even when I did end up seeing a therapist, it took me several therapists mm -hmm before I realized what therapy style really worked for me. And, yeah. and the first two therapists I saw were good. They just didn't mesh with me yeah. in you the same it. way. Um, and so, so I, that's my other, you know, kind of thing that I learned is, you know, you have to, if it's not working, see what you can do to, to shift it and don't always assume it's you, you know? Yeah. Um, I assumed it was me. Yeah. Always. I guess we'll probably devote another major podcast sure. to just therapy, generally speaking, but my graduate experience definitely was associated with moments of crisis, trying to navigate within a brain that's just completely strung out on anxiety, yeah. trying to navigate a path. And it's very, very hard to see ahead, Yeah, you know, kind of one day at a time. So, but when I look back at graduate school now, you know, a lot of that was characterized by learning how to be the woman I was meant to be. I feel really proud about that now, which is part of the reason why I wanted to make the podcast with you. Yeah. You know, I think you feel really similarly. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, our difficulties in grad school are very different. I had a lot of externals coming yes. in. You know, my dad passed away in grad school. Um, I was hit by a car literally three times, <laughs> um, you know, just random, <laughs> random bad things that happened that, you know, with um, all these just externals. It wasn't yeah. even just, I mean, it wasn't just that grad school is stressful, which it is. It mm -hmm. was in addition dealing to some major life challenges that were coming in from the outside, getting married, all this stuff. And so for me, when I looked back on grad school, those are the darknesses that really stand out to me way more than even the grad school stress. I think yes. because the grad school stress, though it was strong, yeah. you know, and I was really miserable that for six months, <laughs> still kind of was a blip in, in this other sea of externals, but all of the same uh, self-care strategies work for both Yes. you know, external and internal, uh, stressors. Yeah. And this is what it, what it is to be a woman scientist, yeah. because you can have the stresses of your scientific field and studies show that I will talk about, I'll mention some of them right now that you really can't disentangle the lived experience of a woman scientist from the experience of being a woman. Yeah. For example, if you look at kind of who ends up being retained in the science pipeline and the step from graduate through postdoc to assistant professor, 
you are just as likely to continue on as a young woman PhD student if you are just kind of uninterested in having children. Mm -hmm. The likelihood of leaving really increases mm -hmm. uh, almost by equal measure if you already have children than if mm -hmm. you think you might ever want them. Yeah. Female tenured professors are many times likelier actually to be unpartnered. Mm -hmm. And that, and I think it would be very foolish to imagine that young women scientists don't perceive that. There are definitely links yeah. between your professional choices and how your personal life plays out, the things that you want out of your life, which is why self-care is part of your job, literally. I only started seeing it that way probably fourth year of grad school. Yeah. Did you come to that point? I don't know if I ever came to that point. It, it kind of, like I said, due to these external uh, dark periods, it was just forced upon me. It was mm -hmm. like, do this or not survive. Do yeah. this or not finish graduate school. Um, just uh, due to the magnitude of those things that were happening. And so for me, it was less of a choice and more of a, you know, this is the only way to get was, through it. Yeah. And, and get through it, you did. <laughs> Yay! Done. Like shining yeah. colors. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was hard and it wasn't easy and it, and. And I was thankful to have supportive people around me um, that were models of taking care of yourself. And, you know, I, we just hope that, you know, in addition to also, you know, of course, younger women scientists, we're hoping that this is useful to younger male scientists, yes. you know, older female scientists, older mm -hmm. male scientists, anyone, because these are issues that... Non-binary folks. Yeah, yeah. That, that that impact everyone, you know, and, yeah. and not even non-scientists. You know, I mean, this could be, these are just issues that, you know, we, we all face in today's world of you know, needing to be having this large pressure to devote large quantities of time to work and to not thrive in the yeah. process uh, or to sacrifice physical and mental health. And I really recommend a book called Thrive by Adriana Huffington, which the whole book is about self-care yeah. in the corporate world. And it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Part and parcel of that, which Sarah just spoke to, which is that no one person's experience is universal, is that we're really planning on having a lot of guests on this yes. podcast. So um, Sarah and I, both young white women from relative privilege and both actually straight white women yeah. that come from relative privilege. So what we're hoping... What's that? Cisbinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cisbinary. So I think um, part of what we hope to do with this podcast is also have a platform for other folks to talk about their self-care mechanisms, the kind of as much as they want to share the kind of um, ways in which their self-care ameliorates the unique set of challenges that they face in their bodies. That's kind of our invocation. Yes. That's, yes. This is our first podcast. We hope you <laughs> check back for more. We've already done one interview. Yes. Yes, we have. And uh, <laughs> we hope you'll tune in for more episodes. Uh, so this has been Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. And I'm Sarah R. And I'm Sarah B. Thank you for listening. Thank you.